Welcome to the Wellness Champions Network podcast. I'm host Sarah McGuinness. The Wellness Champions Network is a group of leaders from around the globe who are passionate about well-being. In the network, we learn, share and connect with colleagues and well-being experts alike. We believe that by working together, we can build a happier, healthier world where everyone has the opportunity to thrive. In this session, I'm joined by Philippa Powell, OD Advisor at Chorus. Chorus is New Zealand's largest telecommunication infrastructure company and has around 870 employees. Philippa joined Chorus in 2015 to look after its fledgling wellbeing program and to truly bring the program to life. Over the past five years, Philippa has developed an enviable wellbeing program with great engagement. The program is based around four pillars of mental, physical, career and financial wellbeing, and it is linked in with the company's people and culture strategy. In this discussion, Philippa shares her insights and tips to building a great wellbeing program. She shares how to engage leaders, how to embed wellbeing in the culture, and how to structure a program making the most of the resources you have available so that you can create a program that truly makes a difference to the health and well-being of your people. So basically we started off with a program which was kind of about, well, what was happening at Chorus was, you know, it was sausage rolls and tomato sauce, um, but we've moved on to skewers with watermelon, feta and mint. Um, but I guess a better analogy is really around, we've gone from a program that was fruit and flu jabs to now one that is a holistic wellbeing program that's really around inspiration, education and support. So we're really moving on in the world, which has been really cool. And the significance of the program is shown in the impact through, you know, changing people's lives, actually, which I'll talk about during the talk today. And, you know, it just is shown in our engagement scores. So we're sitting in the top 5% of the technology sector globally um, with the PECON survey. So, I mean, that's just fantastic. And it's actually been increasing during the lockdown period, which is just awesome. Uh, so a little bit about Chorus, in simple terms, essentially, we are the people that are delivering you ultra-fast broadband to be having this Zoom call today and the many, many other Zooms that you've had over the last seven weeks. We work with retail service providers like Spark and Vodafone to deliver you world-class broadband and now considered an essential utility, just like uh, gas and power. And I think some of you agree that sometimes internet's actually more important than those things. Uh, we have four offices, you know, in the normal world or pre-COVID world. Uh, so Auckland, Hamilton, Wellington and Christchurch. And then we have a few employees, about less than 30, spread over a number of regional offices. Typically, our wellbeing program takes part uh, nationally, virtually, uh, from webinars like this and also locally in the offices when they're doing the get-togethers, which we'll talk about more. And then we have around about 870 employees. And what can be a little bit confusing is the guys and girls in the vans that you see out there or coming into your homes to install fibre. They are service partners or companies. And we've got about 1,700 of them around the country. But they're not actually um, privy to our wellbeing program just yet. So the first thing I'm going to talk about, yeah, it's really around um, how to, you know, create that holistic program. And the first thing is about turning your strategy into reality. So... It doesn't really matter if you've got one of those glossy 50-page strategies that have been put together with all the uh, funding and the, and the graphic designers or, you know, if you've been scribbling down some things and talking about them on a whiteboard. It's really about 
starting with getting really clear on your purpose. So what is it that you're wanting to achieve? What, what is your objective? So at Chorus, uh, this year, our objective is to create a healthier and more resilient workforce by influencing and supporting our people to build healthy habits. Certainly, you know, supporting a resilient workforce is so crucial right now, and we're right into that. And we have uh, started, um, prior to this, doing some education around habits. So still very much on point. Uh, the second is to identify measures of success. So, you know, I totally believe um, what isn't measured doesn't get managed. So we actually put uh, measures within our diversity and inclusion strategy. This here is our annual report. So we showcase that to our uh, shareholders. And that there was showing, um, you know, Chorus really cares about my mental well-being above the benchmark. That was when we're in the top 10. We're now in the top five. And working here, uh, people feel they can live a physically healthy lifestyle, again, hitting the benchmark. So uh, we're really clear on what we want to achieve in the wellbeing space. Uh, and there's other measures that we have of success, which I'll talk about later. And the next one is identify pillars or themes. So I know that uh, Sarah just sent through a Wellbeing Wednesday of the different frameworks, you know, five ways to wellbeing. Um, to Fadi Tapa, I think I pronounced that right. There's a whole bunch. Um, but essentially at Chorus, it was sort of something that rolled over from the old telecom days and uh, where we've landed and currently work is in these four main pillars, financial, physical, mental and career wellbeing. And I also have an unofficial, but it pretty much is an official one. It just doesn't have a little logo. And that is winter wellbeing, something that we've done for quite a few years, which I will also talk about at the end of the presentation as we're about to head into that. And then finally, sort of the fourth key point about turning that strategy into reality is designing and plotting initiatives on a calendar. So this is our 2020 calendar, quite hijacked by a global pandemic, but still some of the stuff is, you know, in place for kind of continuing. So this is just sort of quite a nice overview of, you know, we've got our objective, we've got our measures that are in our annual report that our board are expecting us to achieve how we're going to meet those measures. So executing the five pillars of our strategy, um, improving our support model. So that's looking at things like EAP and psychological support and increasing the people leader capability. And then what is, I guess, really important is having that governance and structure in place. So our boards are right behind wellbeing. They're just huge advocates for it and also always really interested to know what we're doing around mental health given um, the workplace can really cause a lot of um, stress and uh, overwhelm and burnout. We've got a um, people and performance and culture committee. It's a subset kind of people team of the board that are behind us, the executive. Then we have a diversity and inclusion and a separate health and safety executive steering group. Another ones that really govern and, um, and help endorse and support all of the wellbeing program and our, and our diversity and inclusion, and then supported by the people and culture team, health and safety team, and then we've got a wellbeing committee and um, newly renamed the Mental Fitness Network. So as you can see, there is so much governance and support and structure behind the wellbeing culture at course. And that has been built over time over the last five years that it's been running. And then every couple of months, we basically uh, look at a theme. So if we look at our pillars in February and March, when everyone's coming back from the holidays and they're feeling out of shape, overeaten, overdrunk, too much alcohol, we start getting into um, things to get people moving um, and to get them eating better. So we actually did some body scans this year, ulterior bike challenge, and we also did some stuff around eating um, more vegetables and how to grow them, which ended up being a lockdown due to the timing of things. 
And so we kind of just slot that um, based on the pillars and then we look into the theme or scope of that based on um, data out of our engagement surveys, observations, feedback from around the business. Um, you can also see that we time some of it to do with national um, awareness campaigns. So, you know, in August we'll be doing Money Week, which is, you know, great because there's so many free resources. Um, Mental Health Awareness Week, Pink Shirt Day. For the record, it, it did get put on hold, but Chorus is having an unofficial pink shirt down the 22nd, because why not? Fleeing harassment and discrimination still continues in a virtual world, so and we're going to have some fun with that. Yeah, so that's kind of our high-level program. Moving on to uh, next kind of key piece of advice is um, when you're running these programs, there's such an opportunity to make the most of minimal resources. And because many of us are operating on a shoestring, for the record, our um, budget, some people might not think this is a shoestring, but we get $50,000 um, per year to manage. That's across you know, the whole country. And when you look at things like you know, we had Jimmy Hunton a couple of years ago at 25000 You start to see that you've got to be really smart with how you manage that budget. Some of the things I recommend is leaning in on leadership. Uh, that goes first with, uh, I believe it's really essential to have a lead of your wellbeing program. So someone that is, you know, passionate, enthusiastic and knowledgeable in the wellbeing space. But it's also a great influencer and communicator. So they're able to get in front of the business uh, to drive the initiatives and also to get in front of your executive and leadership teams and really get them to be uh, advocates for well-being as well. And then leading in on your leadership and executive teams. So I think one of the biggest wins for us was having that health and safety and diversity and inclusion ESG. And we actually flipped, we used to have our sort of diversity piece in the early days in our well-being program as a pillar, but my new GM flipped it. So we now have a belonging strategy, which is diversity and inclusion, and it has things like flexible working, gender equity, and well-being is one of those pillars. And that bringing uh, well-being into the uh, diversity and inclusion strategy and bringing it to that executive table as a strategic focus area of our people strategy was the biggest win ever. So getting that buy-in from the executive team and getting it presence at meetings, health and safety ESG is monthly, uh, the diversity and inclusion is quarterly and just you know getting it in front of them all the time. Our second is uh, around leveraging internal enthusiasm and capability. So we all know uh, within our organizations there's people that just are passionate about well-being, they're out there doing their thing, whether it's you know they're an ultra marathon runner or there's someone that's you know really into like yoga or meditation or um, whatever that looks like. And there's also people with skills. So when you're having things like a pink shirt day, well, it's really great to get a photographer. So, you know, tapping into those people who, um, you know, have photography as their hobby, get them to come to pink shirt day, take some pictures. They get to work on their hobby. We get some photos to share around the business and on Instagram and on our LinkedIn. So it's really tapping into those people. People like um, IT, they're going to be helping me soon with our winter wellbeing challenge and the leaderboard and all that stuff that I have no idea about. So it's like, how can you bring people in to help out? Uh, utilize the free resources. I mean, this is COVID has just been an, an extreme example of, you know, there's so much out there for free. Places like Wellplace, Health Promotion Agency, Mental Health Foundation, Sorted. There's so much for free online. Um, and it's really good making those partnerships with some of those organizations. We've got a good one with Sorted. They run free webinars. 
even being cheeky, you know, asking people to speak for free, because often if someone is up and coming, their opportunity to speak in front of your organisation gets them promotion, they then get some more new business and it just spreads. So, uh, yeah, be a bit cheeky. We also linked in with people like Dr Libby, um, Ben Warren, and we now have this relationship where they offer uh, discounted tickets to us, which is really cool. And also, you know, getting people within your organisation to speak. That's been a real game changer for us, running employee-led webinars where they're talking about wellbeing. And actually... People relate more to people that are kind of on the same page as you or, you know, listening to your workmate talking about, you know, your guy workmate that's talking about how he uses breathing to support his stress management. That's gold, that stuff. So um, definitely tap into um, your employees. And this one here, organised versus subsidised versus pay. You might be on way less than 50k per year for your budget. You might not even have a budget. You're just kind of, you know, stealing money from all sorts of different budgets at the moment. And um, my sort of key learning here is that you don't actually need to pay for a flu jab or a skin check or a body scan or, or whatever the initiative is. You just need to organise it for them. So it might be that you set up, for example, skin checks, like this is all, you know, post pre-COVID in the office, but just actually getting the people in from um, MOLMAP and organising them to be in the office, you know, and we gave a little bit of discount. It's actually more about making it easy and accessible for them than actually paying for them. So we had so many people that, you know, you kind of think, oh, I should really get a skin check, but when it's right in front of you and all you need to do is walk downstairs or around the other end of the office, and just click online and pay your bill, that's what people actually really appreciate. They don't really care whether you're paying for it or not. Because I speak for my organisation, but I'm sure a lot of people can't can afford it. It's just they're too busy or they just it's just too hard. Quality, not quantity. So this is another thing. Um, you can kind of get carried away because there's just so much you could educate your people on and there's so many days and things that you get involved in. Um, but I think, yeah, choosing just one or two initiatives per theme to focus on and it doesn't have to be huge so it could be like say if it was say for example it was um i think it was called lighted orange week where it was around domestic violence and i'm like oh what are we going to do but you know what all we're going to do is put up a little blog post with a little snippet that's probably copy and pasted from their website and the link and that's all it needs to be or it could be as big as you know, our pink shirt day is actually huge where we have full communications and it's pimp your pod pink and wear pink shirts. You know, there's a, there's a big deal. So, you know, just choose how big or how small it can be and just, you know, an article or blog post or a little snippet of email sometimes is enough. And then sharing the load. So it's a big job. I mean, I work um, part-time, so I'm four days a week. I lead the National Wellbeing Program and Diversity and Inclusion, um, but I have a committee of around about uh, 30 champions in the wellbeing space, and I have a mental fitness network, which is, a, again, about 30 to 40 people that I can draw on. In the wellbeing committee, we have a roster for things like our Wellbeing Wednesday, so that's our weekly blog on the internet. I have leads in each city. We meet prior to the national meeting, and I, and I get them sharing the work, so um, you can't do it all. Um, and you need to be mindful of your own well-being when running these amazing programs because if you're passionate, it can 
that can grow arms and legs. I'm sure you can all resonate with that. And then just um, utilize online collaboration tools. So, <clears throat> excuse me, this is Trello, uh, changed my life. One of the champions in the early days introduced me to this and this is how I manage um, the wellbeing program. Although that's a little bit, um, that must've been the start of the year and I haven't been using it so much in COVID. I've been using other random methods just to get by. Um, but it is a really good way to get people communicating off email. Next week topic is around weaving well-being into your employee experience. So a few things here, uh, company and people strategy. So I sort of alluded to that um, a little bit earlier. Well-being sits as a pillar within our diversity and inclusion strategy and then what we call belonging. And then that sits as a pillar within our people strategy, which sits within the company strategy. It's also how do you link well-being language and focus into your company values and how do you get well-being to the strategic table, which I talked about earlier. So I just think that's absolutely critical and I would hope that every organisation is already there. Introducing or weaving well-being into your policy. So Horace doesn't actually have a specific well-being policy. Um, but we do see a big focus on it is in our flexible working. So obviously that's all about encouraging that balance, uh, work-life balance and integration. And also our anti-bullying, harassment and discrimination policy. There's a lot in there around unacceptable behaviour and that kind of thing to support people's well-being. And then I think just because there's so, there's so much communication around well-being that it doesn't need to sit in the policy and we're also not an organisation that's big on policies anyway. Recruitment and attraction, so definitely make sure that you're uh, briefing your recruitment agencies, people leaders have some information that they can pass on to potential candidates. Put it out there on your LinkedIn, put it on your website. We actually got some feedback from an agency survey that the focus and the genuine care for our people's wellbeing, what they'd heard through word of mouth or other people working there was the main reason that they were actually choosing to work at Chorus. So it goes a long way um, in making that really clear. Um, all onboarding and induction, it's the same thing. Make sure that when you're bringing these people on and inducting them into your business, that they are really clear um, about your wellbeing program, where they go for information, um, how they can be involved if they want to be a champion. Um, yeah, it's just making sure that they know all the avenues of support and um, all of the cool things that are on offer and how they don't miss out on being on the massage list or whatever that looks like. Um, learning and development. So I think um, there's a real opportunity to promote being a wellbeing champion as a learning and development opportunity. It gives people the opportunity to speak on our national conference courses and public speaking, to write articles or blogs, to get exposure in the business. Um, to just try new things, learn new things. And today, our session, we hadn't had one in about a month. I've been working with a different team uh, for COVID. And um, we share a keyword at the start of the year that's going to kind of drive our focus. And so there's that um, personal development in the wellbeing space for these champions to get the opportunity to work on. And then I also, uh, within our organisational development team, uh, work very heavily with our L&D advisor, looking at um, learning and development opportunities or training and courses with that wellbeing lens. So we were running prior to COVID uh, mental health first training, mental health first aid training through St. John's, and that was available to everyone in our organisation. 
um, which is really cool. And then things like at the moment we're running resilience change. So just really working together and, and L&D has a bigger budget than me. So that's, that's good to be friends with them. <laughs> Maybe not so relevant right now, but in the physical environment and facility space, it's really looking at how does your uh, workplace encourage well-being. So photo there is a picture of our um, one of our well-being rooms in Auckland. So each of our offices has a well-being room to, you know, take some time out, meditate, um, whatever that looks like. And also just being mindful of things like snack boxes and too much access to sugar and things like that in the office um, and plants and, and opportunities for people to obviously have a full kitchen to be able to um, prepare nutritious food. And then finally, uh, something that we've done, I think, really well is through recognition and uh, retention. And um, something that we're really proud of is our chorus care package. So this is essentially our benefits package. But um, another thing there is around, it's around language. So it's not the benefits package, it's the chorus care package. You know, this is a package that we've put together because we care about you. And as you can see here, there's these different pillars and my well-being is there. So we're really signaling that as an employee of Chorus, we really want to, um, you know, reward your contribution and recognise that through supporting your well-being. So we've given them two well-being days a year. There's a whole bunch of leave options that um, they can access, including being able to purchase an additional week or two. Um, and that goes off that salary sacrifice well-being programme we've got. Fruit. I don't know what's going to happen with fruit. Um, we haven't quite got to that yet as we return to the office. And we used to have things like massages and uh, yoga and stuff on site. So it's just thinking about how do we adapt in the new normal. There's a whole bunch of other stuff under um, different categories, flexible working, life insurance, income protection, that kind of stuff. Next up is around um, the importance of effectively communicating your wellbeing messages. And I just think this is critical. I've seen some organizations as they're starting up and it gets a little bit sporadic and it's, you know, it's a social committee over here putting out a message about, I'm not sure, <laughs> I can't think of an example, or, you know, it gets a little bit, you know, health and safety are sending something and it's, let's just bring it all together. And, I, you know, as I said, the first point is, you know, have a brand or have a name or have something that's identifiable. If you can afford it, get a graphic designer to help you make it look professional or see, you know, one of your employees that might be really good at this stuff. And then I really love campaigns. So as you can see down there, some of the pictures, these are taken from um, just snips off uh, a MailChimp. We send a MailChimp out at the start of every theme. And, you know, it's just about using that really beautiful imagery. Uh, we've got the wellbeing logo. It's familiar and people start connecting. Oh, okay. So that, um, you know, the lemon and honey drinks that are in the office is actually from the wellbeing committee and it's to do with winter wellbeing or that initiative is about mental wellbeing and they start connecting as to where it's coming from as opposed to just random. Definitely recommend building a, a strong relationship with your internal communications team. I mean, at the end of the day, they're better at writing than you probably are. Um, and they also really understand the different communication platforms and what works best. And um, they're a great set of eyes when you want 
review or you want feedback um, and they've been really instrumental in helping me. Oh my God, I probably used to spend about a week writing an article when I started leading this program. Um, I was crap and, and they've really helped coach me and give me feedback um, and really support that. Also, yeah, getting to know your communication platforms. Some of the things that we're doing, so as I said, we do a MailChimp to launch a new theme. We did one during our COVID to kind of go, we've organised all this stuff. And it's yes, it's on the internet. And yes, you've heard about it on our national daily call. And no, we want a one-stop shop. This email tells you where it all is. We click on here and off you go. Um, and you can also MailChimp see who's been reading what, which is really cool feedback. We do articles on our internet page. We've got a community blog, which I post on. I'm probably the biggest contributor. There's just so much that goes on there, just sharing resources and information. What else do we do? We, yeah, we have the national um, conference call at 8.45 every day, and we have a slot once a month for wellbeing, but we'll jump in if there's something that we need to tell people about. Um, mix up who delivers the messages, so not everyone wants to hear from me. Good to just, you know, get that diverse range of people, so they don't just want to be hearing it from, you know, the fitness junkie or, you know, the person that eats salads every day. They want to be hearing it from, you know, different ethnicities, different ages, boys, girls, executives, champions, someone that's probably not even really into well-being. Just keep mixing that up. Real life stories, my absolute favourite of the whole lot. When we started our mental health network quite a few years ago, it was all a bit taboo, there was stigma, and um, we got one of our champions or members that actually suffered from depression um, to write an article, and we called it, I Have a Mental Illness. Whoa, that was the most commented on article in the history of our intranet. And he got so many um, instant messages, phone calls, people stopping off at his desk, people just had worked with him for years that didn't even know. And it opened up the conversation. Uh, we had someone just pre-lockdown, uh, so we, we renamed it um, over time. I was like, these are so powerful. We call it Courageous Korero. Uh, so courageous is one of our values. And we had a guy that um, attempted suicide twice last year. And he was heavily supported uh, through Chorus, through the People and Culture team, um, our EAP, his people leader. And he uh, reached out to me at the start of this year to let me know. Well, I, I kind of had known what was happening behind the scenes because... I was helping people in his office help him. Little did he know. He wanted, to, he told me, you know, what had happened. And he said he wanted to give back, wanted to join the Mental Fitness Network. And um, he wanted to tell his story. And again, that just went off, you know. And he's now an active member of our Mental Fitness Network. And he is doing so well in improving his mental health. So it's, it's amazing. And I think he got a real boost from sharing his story. So not only does it help, Others, it helps the people that tell the story and they're just the most powerful. Working with your leadership community, so you can have your champions out there and, you know, promoting to their teams, but nothing's as valuable as getting in there the leaders. So we have a people leader pulse. It's quite regular at the moment, but um, normally once a month, getting key messages in there, getting it through your business partnering team and getting it out to the leaders that they work with. And also um, using the opportunity to do uh, training um, or upskilling in that space. We're actually just partnering with Mentimea, uh, John Kerwin's new app. And uh, he ran a session um, last Wednesday with our people leader community around leading people 
and around well-being leadership and it was it was really really awesome and then finally um yeah as i sort of talked about before get it out there externally you need to tell the tell the world tell new zealand as to why this is an awesome place to work put on your career site get it in your annual report and get it out there on your social media so measuring the impact i think you know i talked earlier about you know one of the four key things for setting up your well-being strategy and framework is uh, making sure that you set some uh, measures for success and then you know how do you actually measure that impact and um, when I, I was actually looking back at my notes and um, I wrote the topics for my talk at the Corporate Health and Wellbeing Summit and one of them was around measuring the impact and then when I went to prepare you know it's kind of a couple of months later I was like why on earth did I write that? Um, I, I don't even know how we do that. We don't have some fancy return on investment, beautiful graphs and all this analytics. And so I reached out to uh, my wellbeing committee, my team, and I was like, help. And yes, I can give you the qualitative data, the EAP stats, the sick level, that boring stuff. But actually what was coming back is that success is changing people's lives. It's making a difference. It's the guy who went and got a health check and they told him to go to the GP ASAP. GP said, you're basically a heart attack waiting to happen. That, that employee changed their diet and their lifestyle overnight. We saved a life. It's the guy who shared his um, suicide attempts, you know, and supporting people like that to, um, to make it through. Um, it's the people that I just you know, walk into the kitchen and see that they're eating better. Or it's the people at the water cooler where you're talking about the summer wellbeing challenge and how um, they're getting outside more and, and they're going for walks at their uh, lunch break. It's the people that are telling me that they're having more sleep because of the challenge. Or it's all those little anecdotal things where um, we're changing people's lives and improving their wellbeing. We don't care about the you know, the, the numbers and the data, that's, I mean, that stuff, you know, we kind of put it in reports, but it's, it's not really what's important to us. The impact also comes through in our engagement scores, which I've talked to you about, and in the commentary. I, I love getting uh, the commentary at the end of those surveys, and I just sort of sit there with a cup of tea and feel so proud. And I, and I make sure, you know, as a lead of um, a wellbeing committee or program, make sure you share that stuff with your champions. I'm sure you do, but I've made a really conscious effort to share that feedback, um, good and bad. And I'm always asking for feedback. That's another thing is, you know, get that feedback. And um, we always talked about our program being a program run by the people for the people. It's literally just gathering, you know, what do you think? What should we do? Getting their ideas and then running with it. Flexible working, uh, I think, has had a massive impact on the well-being of our people and situation we're all in right now just kind of proves that. And uh, in our well-being meeting this morning, we were talking about our keywords and, you know, how our lockdown experience has been and, and how do we think we're going to, how is it going to impact our well-being and what is it going to look like going forward? Pretty much everyone said, I'm going to work at home more or I'm going to start working at home or I'm going to just do one more day. Um, and they've just loved that whole ability to, I love the, the, one of the ladies was saying, you know, I felt like I used to um, pre-COVID be controlled by, you know, being at the gym at the time that the class starts and, you know, having to be at work at a certain time, but it's just been flipped around and it's kind of like now it's I'm controlling when I exercise, when I work, 
Um, I thought that was really cool. Looking at the leaf trends, so, you know, you can go to that stuff. Uh, one of the little fascinating snippets I um, picked up on last year was uh, one of our champions seemed to think there were people taking less sick leave or less illness around the office during winter, and she thought it was because of our winter wellbeing initiatives. I liked her thinking, so we, we went into the data, and we actually did see a decrease in our sick leave year after year, and we put it down to some of it around education around winter wellness, lemon and honey drinks in the office. What else do we do? Oh, and our winter wellbeing challenge, which happens right when the weather turns to custard, and no one can be bothered going outside, but they go outside because they can win prizes. So um, it's been really cool to watch that. Um, organizational change. We have seen that um, during some of our restructures over um, previous years, that we've actually really supported our people during that. And one of the best things that we did was career wellbeing, which not many organizations do. Uh, or maybe you do it, you just don't kind of label it like that. And we got one of our champions who has a side hustle for CV writing to run a CV writing webinar. And it was just as we we're sort of going into change and we had a few of those people that the skeptics go, oh, typical, they're preparing to make us redundant. Well, that was true for some people did get made redundant. By the end of that series of webinars, we had overwhelming uh, positive feedback. And what a skill it is to have learned how to write a CV and have that prepared. In today's world, we know that change is constant um, and people really valued that. So as we then went into redeployment and some people may have been redundant, they felt ready for that change, which was really cool. And our mental health uh, network also supported um, a lot of people during change. So, you know, people that were um, up for redundancy or just, you know, experiencing um, changes in roles and all the uncertainty, they would come along to these network meetings and we'd support these people and, you know, they might not have known what support was available or just, you know, giving them ideas and boosting confidence. So that's been really cool. Measure the impact through uh, the sense of belonging that you're creating and the fun. So that uh, picture there up on the slide is uh, Pink Shirt Day 2019. What does it say? I can't remember. They had some sort of donut and rainbow theme. Um, I think it was like doom not be a bully or something like that but as you can see it's um, pretty amazing the efforts that they go to and so while it might be about well-being in terms of you know anti-bullying supporting mental health we're actually having some fun you know we're, we're getting creative like I mean that graphic designer designed those little icons and you know they're pumping their pods and they're having that opportunity to have a you know pink cupcakes for morning tea and get together and create that connectedness it's the same with we um that's what we we're also doing in winter last year and previous years as a soup day so um we get people in the committee to um cook some you know beautiful uh soups um and so we are influencing you know with the recipes you know here's some nutritious um things that you can make during winter but also gathering people to, you know, come and share some lunch together is pretty cool. And then finally, um, in, in terms of measuring the impact, um, it's the, you know, finding out what those external perceptions are. And I gave a little bit um, earlier around some recruitment agency feedback on what some of our candidates are saying. And it's also, um, you know, gathering that from, you know, your social media presence, some of the stuff that's coming through there. And, um, 
you know, as I've gone out there and talked a lot more about the Chorus Wellbeing Program and presences at uh, conferences, you know, I definitely encourage you if you do, um, you know, have a great wellbeing program, go out there and share it, you know, put your hand up. I stupidly put my hand up for both those conferences and that was after doing some uh, leadership training. We have a female leadership program that, uh, you know, I got taught all around communication and presence and I was just courageous and, and put it out there and then by me putting it out there, then candidates or talent start going, oh, well, that sounds like a cool place to work. Uh, just a bit of an overview of some of the wins uh, during my time leading the program is uh, the impact. So I've talked a lot about that. And I always say to people, because sometimes the champions can get disheartened if there's not, you know, huge numbers turning up or things like that. And it actually just came up uh, this week because we've been doing some online home workouts during lockdown. I'm like, oh, I'm a bit disheartened by lack of feedback. And, um, you know, another guy came back and said, actually, if I just influence one person to start doing more exercise during this, that's success. And I said, exactly. If you change one person's life, that's success. So impact doesn't need to be massive. Um, the appreciation, so, you know, kind of talking to some of that engagement commentary. I mean, I get lots of, lots and lots of emails and messages around appreciation. Um, you know, Chorus is the best place I've ever worked and particularly because of the focus on well-being. I love how, you know, our executive team, they genuinely care about us. Um, increased participation. So we, you know, went from the good old pay a million bucks for someone to come in and facilitate a workshop and get the logistics of traveling all around the country to webinars pre-COVID. We were kind of doing that years ago. Um, and as soon as we started going into webinars, people could do it at their desk and eat their lunch, listen on, you know, participation has increased rapidly. And I think also due to the diversity of the program, it's not just kind of the old days of like that whole fitness junkie and um, people on rabbit diets and stuff like that, and the green smoothie type movement. It's um, holistic well-being. Uh, reducing the stigma, I talked about the um, personal success stories and I really feel at Chorus, God, I mean, during this COVID, it's just everyone is talking about how they feel. Well, maybe not everyone, but nearly everyone. Um, and flexible working has just been huge for um, engagement, productivity and well-being. Love this photo. I hope it doesn't offend anyone. <laughs> but what that's really, uh, that lady is um, referring to is the old school or the haters. One of the key lessons I've learned over time, and I learn it pretty quickly, is that you will have the people that hate well-being. You know, they just think it's all fluffy bullshit, basically. Um, and you kind of, yeah, get those old school. And, and, you, and, you know, you'll get the comments and, you know, why didn't you do this and why are we doing this? And just that is a very small percentage. And chances are that, you know, you think that people are not engaged and you don't sort of see the comments on the articles or you might not be getting the feedback, but then sometimes you might be in the kitchen or you hear a snippet and you realize, you know, that the, the penny drops that these people are listening, they are reading, they are taking it on board and it has influenced them. So just ignore them is my um, advice there. Another thing was around healthy habits, not restrictions. Um, so I kind of alluded to that a little bit around we sort of started the program and it was all about, you know, we had the wellbeing committee and they were like, you know, the, the marathon runners and, and the bodybuilders. And, you know, it's about how do we just sort of encourage people like, you know, here are some ideas. 
not enforcing and it's not like, you know, no sugar, you know, it's like junk free June and um, dry July and that went down like a ton of lead balloons. It's really around encouraging healthy habits, but it's not that restrictive type, hardcore thing that you need to do to be, to practice wellbeing. We've had a few losses in terms of time and financial investment. There's been a few flops. We tried to get people in Wellington to run the Wellington Marathon, but we only got a very small handful. And I hear of other organisations that you had half of your organisation and they had the tent and the barbecue. And I'm like, that just doesn't happen, of course. Definitely a lesson is around diversity. So I alluded to that earlier. Make it holistic. You've got different ethnicities, different ages. Some people are really into their um, physical well-being. Some people don't even get off the couch. They're just Netflix watches. So how can you how can you get to them? And maybe it might be about helping them with their CV or their career that they're interested in. And then that uh, second to last point about don't be scared to be woo-woo. You know, because well-being can be, but try it. We've had, we had a naturopath last year um, talk about uh, colds, flus and the winter blues. So, I mean, I personally am, am not a huge fan of conventional medicine. It's needed at its time, but I wanted to introduce that kind of alternative view. We've also got some uh, essential oil diffusers in our Hamilton office because apparently it's a bit stinky with the uh, air conditioning there. Um, and I've been running them for quite a few years, actually. And there were a few haters, you know, the, the old men that were like, what the heck is this smell in the office? And now they love it. So um, try the woo-woo stuff. Effective communication, I talked a lot about that. And the last point, ever so relevant right now, learn to adapt and pivot. I have been challenged with this over time, where I had my beautiful calendar and it all, you know, doing this then. And, and, and sometimes it just, when we went through restructures, I had to just, completely stop what I was doing and, and I and I got offended by that but as I kind of matured and learned um, you really do need to pivot which is where we are today really quickly because I know that we're going to go into questions and answers but we were able to pivot into COVID I was like I came back from the conference I was really naive this isn't going to happen and I kind of checked my emails I was like shit this is happening I've got to write a well-being strategy for COVID help and then the light bulb. We've already got a framework. What is the framework for COVID? Bang, let's start thinking about the initiatives that we can do in a virtual world. And there they all are, a ton of stuff. Thanks again for listening today. It's been great to have you along. If you're keen to join the Wellness Champions Network, head along to myhealthrevolution.co.nz and follow the links to subscribe. If you're in the network, thanks again, and we look forward to catching up with you really soon.